0: Crossing the street, hey? It's a pretty simple thing, pretty simple concept when you consider it, isn't it? I mean, how many... Put your hand up if you crossed a street today already. Not too many, right? Because you pretty much got in your cars and drove here. But by the end of the day, you will have crossed the street. We do it nearly every single day. Uh, Recently, I've been a little bit more conscious of crossing the street. We have a two-year-old named Ruben who wants to cross the street at any time, right? And so I have to try and force him, he's a bit of a go-getter, force him to hold my hand as I cross the street. And so I often try and avoid as many street crossings as I possibly can because it becomes quite painful when you have to constantly be like dragging this two-year-old across the street. But if you wanna get somewhere, if you wanna progress, if you're, you're wanting to see something go forward, you tend to need to cross a street once or twice, don't you? Even me, I live practically next door to Aldi, and if we want to go and just get a couple of things, maybe a bag of chips, no judgment here, I have to cross a street. I have to drag Ruben with me usually too. Crossing the street, if there's a place that we want to go, we tend to be pretty willing to make that trip, that trek, and it nearly always takes a first step, doesn't it? We've just seen that video, and my hope is that over May Mission Month, we think a bit about how it is that we can cross the street with our missionary partners, but also for us. How is it that we are crossing the street? Because we are about to start a series, well today we're looking at Acts chapters 13 and on, we're starting the series in that, but last year we actually looked at Acts 1 to 12 and we, we jumped back into the same story because in verse 24 of chapter 12 it said, but the Word of God continued to spread and flourish... In the first 12 chapters of Acts, we see that the gospel goes exploding out as the Holy Spirit comes, and there's his promise at the very, very beginning of it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says to his disciples, to his apostles, the ones he's about to send out, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, the street crosses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you tracked with us last year, you would have seen that we went from Jerusalem to Judea and into Samaria, and we started to step into the ends of the earth, and now that step really takes place, because the Word of God continues to flourish and is spreading. And in verse 25 of of chapter 12, it says, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, that first one, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. And now, the next step The big street crossing is about to happen. And so, how is it that we, Menai Baptist Church, can be prepared and then go crossing the street, every single one of us in different ways, and then also thinking about maybe how we go those big steps? Let's have a look. I want us to have a look at that passage that Peter just read for us before. I've lost you, mate. Where'd he go? There he is, Peter just read for us, pointed at somebody, Peter just just read for us before, and so make sure that to open up in front of you, the verses will be on the screen too, and for you at home as well. We want to be a people that are prepared to go. And so first, have a look at the little snapshot of the church that we're given, this little snapshot, and then pause and think why we get the detail that we did get. Have a a read with me again, just verse 1. It says, now, in the church at Antioch, There were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. We get this snapshot, almost like if you have, you do have Instagram, like an Instagram story, a little moment that we get to have this look into the world of this church, and what do we see? Well, what we actually see is Diversity. We see diversity in gifts and also diversity in cultural background. It's quite a cultural mix that we have here. And it makes sense because that's the snapshot we had hoped to see in the church. Firstly, gifts, just very, very quickly. It says prophets and teachers. And, and it seems that these guys, they might have actually had both those particular gifts. But what's not pictured, what's not said is that the church then therefore had Other gifts, if these ones are being specified, there are other gifts that the rest of the church had. Various ones that together they used to promote the gospel. And I bring that up now because throughout our series, I want us to keep thinking about that. And in coming weeks, we're going to be thinking about your gifts, whether it is that you have a passion and a gift to serve in children's ministry, in youth, in young ones, doing something else, helping out here on a Sunday or stepping out into our community in ways that means the gospel goes forward like that. We have that here, the various gifts. We'll think a bit more about that in the coming weeks. But also, did you see the cultural diversity? It might not be apparent when you first read it, but each one of these men was kind of from a different part of the surrounding regions and were unique. There's some from North Africa. Saul was from Tarsus. You've got Barnabas, who's from Cyprus, actually. And so this is a really multicultural crew of people, and it's represented in their leaders and in the ones who are prophets and teachers. We should be like that here at Menai. And I know our demographic in Menai 2234 and just some of the surrounding areas is pretty mono, if we're honest. It's pretty white. It's pretty mono. But you don't have to go too far for those things to start to change. You also have to start to recognise that, well, That isn't necessarily a true reflection of the whole community. And we do have various people in our midst here even that are from different demographics, different backgrounds, different cultures. We would love to see that expressed here, wouldn't we? And we would love to see that continue to grow and to develop as we go over that bridge and over that bridge, as people come in, as people move in to the area. It is just a moment for us to be reminded again that as we seek to reach out with the gospel, come, come as we've heard today, right? No matter your background, no matter who you are. And then we want to see those people start to come up in and through and be part of our leadership. It was diverse, this church, and it prepared them then to go and do a diverse ministry because they then started to think about, well, what's next? This group starts to act and God acts through and with them See, the preparation of the church to take those first steps happens as the church gathers together. Have a read in verse 2, as the action of God takes place through His church. While they were worshipping, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. What are they doing? We've seen who they are and we get this little video now. What are they doing? Serving and seeking God. Now, that word for worshipping can be one for for serving, and it seems that this is definitely they're committing themselves to prayer. They are praying, 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 praying. It's likely to be more than just those few people. Obviously, this is going to be the larger church. And we see the picture start to develop that little bit more. What are they doing? They're praying and they're fasting. They are hungering to know what God wants them to do. There is an atmosphere within this church community, this little snapshot that we're getting of urgent desire in the church. Lord, what do you want from us? Lord, you are at work here already. What's next? How do you want us to to go? We are hungry. We're even not eating so that we can focus our attention, focus our thoughts, pray deeply, come together. What are we doing? And God acts through His church. We've already been told that there were prophets and teachers. And so what comes next may have come through the prophets. We're not, well, let me read what it says. It said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit speaks this. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Here we have sending of missionaries. They've fasted, they've prayed, they've yearned to know what, is God, what God wants. And we have this voice, it seems... Probably sounding a bit like Peter reading, that comes out of backstage and says, no. Is that what happens? We don't know. It's hard sometimes with this, isn't it? It's hard to explain what's going on here. And yet, what's very clear is for these from these two verses, when somebody is set apart and then sent, there is a divine element to it, and there is a human element to it. No, there's a divine and human work that are both working together. We need both of these things. Because look again at what happens. We see Very clearly, God is taking up the human into His purposes and callings, and the human is relying on God in prayer and fasting. How this exactly happens, it's not necessarily that voice we can't say definitively. It could have been that the prophets did speak it. It could have been that there was this shared conviction that they all sensed and felt, and they came together and established, this is what God is saying. We don't really know, but the key is, God was at work and they were seeking Him. Because what were the people doing? It wasn't like they all of a sudden went, we really probably should start thinking about some stuff that God might want us to do. No, the picture here is they were yearning. Day after day, it feels. Week after week, as they gathered together, what's coming next? And Paul and Barnabas, knowing their calls, that, 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 that thing that stirred inside of them, that, that word that was spoken to Paul back in Acts chapter 9, they knew what was happening and they got called They got commissioned and they're about to be sent. This is a good principle, isn't it? It's biblical and it seems to fit quite well with how it is that we want to seek to discern who it is that we send and who it is that we put into positions of leadership too. Who is involved in those things in the church? But before I comment on that, let me ask us as a church, do we have a desire? Is there an atmosphere of persistent and hungry prayer around what it is that God wants? Is that how we describe the way that we gather? And I love the way that Viv prayed today. There was that sense there, wasn't there? But what about as we gather in our small groups? What about it when we just meet, just as, as friends, church friends, people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, gathered together, God is in our presence. What do we think about? What do we talk about? What do we yearn for? What are we in urgent desire for? Because it, if we're not in urgent desire for this mission it will mean that we'll probably cut some corners at some points and it will mean that maybe we won't hear from God the same way these guys did as they gathered together. But the other thing that they were willing to do is they were willing to lose their best. What it's like, what, what's it like to lose your best player? If you follow a code of any sort of sport, it's tough when your best player leaves and heads off. I reckon people are still in mourning a little bit about the fact that Ash Barty wins the Australian Open and then retires. Come on, we thought we were going to have it for years now. She was going to be the Grand Slam champion. She was going to win it all, right? And then she decided, what is she doing next year? Does anybody know? I know she was doing a pro-am, maybe golf. We're all going to start watching golf now, aren't we? Exactly. We have the, when you lose your best, it's the same as those that jump to different codes or Peakhurst United, they lost their best striker just this year. So just be... <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Or at work. Maybe when you lose your best employee or at church when you lose a great worship leader or, or things like that, that they move on, they go, they do something else. It can be hard and this isn't retirement that's happening right here in Acts. It's not, it's not retirement, it's being sent by one club to another club basically in a different league saying, hey, go over there and make that league brilliant. Sent by the country to make sure another country's able to be organised, sent by an or- for bigger purposes, right? Because they are sending the best when they send Barnabas and when they send Saul, when they send Paul. Let me give you just Barnabas's CV, his LinkedIn profile. He is named and respected from early on. Actually, his nickname is Barnabas because his real name is Joseph. Do you know what Barnabas means? Son of encouragement. He was the encourager of these people. And he reached out to Saul, the one who was the persecutor of the church, when it first was heard that he was a Christian, he was the one that bravely stepped out and said, yeah, I'm going to go speak with this guy and welcome him in. He was sent to Jerusalem when the Gentiles started to turn to the Lord to make sure things are going well. He was trusted, not just trusted with that act, but he was chosen by the church, this church in Antioch, to take the offering to the poor in Jerusalem, which would have been a large chunk of money he was known, he was trustworthy, he was proven, he was committed, he was able, he could teach, he could encourage and they're saying, go. I wonder who we here at Menai Baps have already sent but who are we actually going to send next? Is it you? Like you, sitting here today, are you ready to go? Because you might have already been called, I don't know. God may have spoken to you in a particular way that stirred your heart to say, "This is the mission that I want to. Yeah, I think God wants from me. Let me go and share that with the church, so that we can then set you apart and commission you into a task of mission." You may have sensed that. Is it your kids? Is it your kids? Oh, that might decide to journey across the street to another nation because they sense the call that God is saying, "These people need to hear about it in Cambodia." Maybe hmm? we've got some parents here with them? Are you ready for that conversation? Are you ready to lose them? Is it me? Is it you? Is it those people who haven't been called yet our time because they are elect and chosen by our God? See, there's two things that I would love to see progress and happen at Menai Baptist Church. I want to see hundreds and hundreds of baptisms and I want to see hundreds and hundreds of commissionings, Right? Yeah, we want this, this building to fill. And they're not to completely empty, but to start to filter out so that the gospel goes and goes and goes. Surely we want that for our church, don't we? That we are more, that's, we're about mission, not maintenance and survival here. That we're about the progress of this gospel because we are hungering for it. And guess what? When you hunger for the heart of God, that you start to see at the very core of His heart is the mission to the world. So let's pray and ask the Spirit to say, let's go. Where? Well, these guys didn't exactly know either. A bit like when Abraham got called. This little moment is a bit like when Abraham got called. It was like, go to the land I'm preparing for you. And Abraham was like, I'm, yeah, can I trust you? Where's that? Go. And he went. Anytime you cross the street, you've got to contemplate where it is you might be going. But sometimes with this mission, we don't exactly know the journey before us. But these guys then had to take the first step. They thought about it. The church had prepared them, the people had called them, they'd been commissioned, they'd been set apart, and now they're sent in verse 3. And we see again in verse 4, they take those first steps so clearly because the Holy Spirit is guiding them. The first step, verse 4. Would you read it with me? The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. I love that. Verse 3, it said that the church sent them off, laying hands, but then the Holy Spirit, divine and human again, Yes, together, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. You'll see in verse 5, there's this pattern. They go to the Jews first and then they go on. We'll talk a bit about that in coming weeks. And John seems to be with them. The fact that he's their helper, it's just a different delegation for what he does. He seems to do missionary work later. He's not just running around helping them with drinks. He's there in support. They were sent along their way by the Holy Spirit, weren't they? Say that again in verse 1. They were sent, but steps had to be taken, didn't they? Sent. The Scriptures tell us every one of us who knows Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit, that He dwells within us and that He is sending us out to people. I would love it to hear what it is that you've sensed God is stirring in you and then share that with the church so that... Spirit and church together can do that. I would love to be overrun with people saying, Man, we want to be sent as missionaries. Will Menai Baptist Church support us? That we have to figure out how to have enough money to send more and more people. I would love to have us have people on the streets of Menai, Bangor, Barden Ridge, to Sutherland, Kiriwee, to Picnic Point, Panania, Padstow. Realize there's a lot of peas over that side. Bankstown as well. Going out onto the streets everywhere, crossing the street and meeting people along the way, right? Because that's how the gospel spreads. I've loved one, a few things about moving to Menai, but one of the things I've loved about moving to Menai is when you go out, when I go to the shops, I nearly always run into someone along the way. Nearly always. I, I'll go out to go and get a packet of chips again, maybe, and something else, maybe some milk for our family, pop down to, to Woolies to do that, and I'll come back 45 minutes later, and Vic will be like, so who'd you run into? I could imagine... Luke asking Paul and Barnabas after a day of them journeying around, boys, who'd you run into? I need to write this down so the church later on knows how it is that the gospel spreads. Only he probably would have been with them as he figured this out. He researched and asked them, who'd you run into? Because it happens, doesn't it? It's exactly what happens here. Have a listen, verse 6. They traveled through the whole island. So pause, i don't have a map for you, don't I? Let's jump back here and I want to show you. This is where they started. See the starting point? Seleucia in Antioch. This is a big first step. The gospel's now going over the water into Cyprus, into Salamis there. And now they're taking that journey from Salamis into Paphos. So they are literally, it's a big street, but crossing the street of Cyprus. And along the way, this is what happens. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There, they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar Jesus. We'll come back to the Bar Jesus thing because who is this Bar Jesus? Well, he was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus, the proconsul an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the Word of God. Sergius Paulus it was a Roman governor, a Gentile, so he's somebody outside of the Jewish people of God, so this is the Gospels going to the ends of the earth now. It's happened before, it happened back in Acts 11, but it's really starting to enter their territory. And he was an intelligent, or a man of understanding, it says. So he hasn't been captivated by the magical works of this sorcerer, bah, Jesus. He's not a fanatical in that sense. I do find it interesting that he believes a claim that a man raised from the dead in a moment. That's outrageous. But he is open. Do you see that? He's sent for them, ready to hear, sympathetic to the message. Did you see that at the end of verse 7? He sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But along the way as we walk, we're going to run into people who are open, and yeah, I'll I'll, I'll hear that, I'm keen. And then there's those who are opposed. There are those who are opposed, less than sympathetic, like Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus, Bar Bar meaning son, so it's like son of Jesus. He's actually claiming to be one of Jesus' followers, but what he taught was very counter, wasn't it? And verse 8, we see that. But Elemas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. No son of Jesus there. We have to be aware that, just like Paul and Barnabas, we will come across this as we cross the streets. That there will be people along the way who are open, and there will be people along the way who are opposed to the good news. And it can be hard to navigate in a world that seems open and inclusive to Everything except for that idea that might have something that makes exclusivity, which right here we're about to see God makes clear by directing Paul to confront the lies of Elmas, that there is an exclusive claim in the Gospel. We're about to see in a moment a, a particular show of power to, to prove that God's Gospel is superior. But if we look carefully as this goes, and I want us to be prepared for this, In confronting them, in confronting those who are opposed, correcting maybe, uh, defending the truth of Jesus, I hope we see that in this confrontation, the opposed still actually gets an opportunity to respond to the good news of the gospel. He's going to be temporarily blinded to kind of show the state that he is in now as he opposes God's plans. And this is really helpful for us to consider in our context, because it is easy for us to stay on our side of the road... To, to not cross over into those places where, well, I know those people over there are going to disagree with me, so maybe it's not even we don't relate with them, but we just don't go there. It can be confronting, can't it, when you cross over, meet people where they're at and start to hear their opinions which are contrary to your own, which actually confront yours, that maybe even oppose your beliefs. To not cross over because you're so concerned that the communication of grace might come across either the wrong way or confrontation is inevitable. To not cross the street, though. To not go to those places. Just picture it this way. You're on on this side of the street and you... Actually, this kind of happened one time when I was on a walk with somebody who's, I think, in this room. We were walking along this uh, path, uh, bush track, fire trail got there, walking along a fire trail and somebody came past us who said, just watch out, up ahead, we've just passed a black snake, a red-bellied black snake, they thought. They were saying, just be aware that there's a, a snake up there. Now imagine I'm on one side of the street and those same people, let's just say, are walking and I can see the black snake just there and I think to myself, Maybe I should go and tell them that there's a risk ahead with the way that they're walking. They're unknown. They have no idea that this is how it is. They're blind to it, you could say, even. Unconscious to the reality that they are walking in a way which could, well, will lead to danger. What do I do? Why well, cross the street, don't I? Isn't that the situation we find ourselves in? Isn't that exactly the situation we find ourselves in? There are people who are walking in a way which is dangerous to them. Confronting, yes, but they are blind, the Scriptures tell us, to that truth. So the way we approach them, well, we need to be sensitive to it, but what do we do? We take action. And the, the impact that this might have on them and others is hard. And I get it's hard in a PCPC PC world. A politically correct, pluralistic culture makes it hard. And so it needs to be done with sensitivity. Contextually, what God does through Paul, he makes sense Please don't go around shouting at people like Paul does in a moment. You are the child of the devil. That won't help. It helped in this moment, but it wouldn't then. This is a particular moment. Holy Spirit speaks very directly, but listen and think. Trust that you can take those steps because God is the one who does it. Watch. See how God promotes his gospel. See how through the feats of those who cross the street, he says, my gospel is going to save all who come in contact with this and believe Verse 9, read it with me. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, again, see how God's directing this all the time, looked straight at Elmas and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You will never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord. There's a little play on that, what did the guy get presented as? He was son of, child of Jesus? No, you are a child of the liar, the devil. And then, as he comes face to face with the power of God, blindness comes. And he's going to be, it says, blind for a time, as a sign of judgment, and almost as a moment again to show this is how you're living. See the power of God, turn to Him. He would have been about to hear the, the message of the gospel, too. God shows His power. Immediately, the mist, darkness falls, but then look at the results. Verse 12. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed. Let's just stop there. Just stop. Isn't that amazing? And so I'll send you out now and say, go and, make, and, and ask God to, to create these incredible signs so that people will believe. Because that's what happened to the proconsul, isn't it? That's what often yearned for, this sign that will prove to people that God is the powerful one, that He is the one who has saved you from your sin, He has the power, and He is the only one you can turn to. Is that what happened? No? Because I stopped halfway, didn't I? What's it going on to say? Verse 12. He believed, why? For, causal, because he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. The superior God and his supreme gospel has been demonstrated. Now, we often want that superior sign, don't we? I feel like that sometimes, come on, just so people will believe. And yes, sometimes God gives the big signs, sometimes he gives the little ones, just us literally walking across the street and demonstrating that we love people. They are sometimes signs of the coming of the kingdom of God. Healings, and these they do happen. I'm not saying that's beyond God, but the greatest sign of his power has been displayed, and these banners point towards that again. We're not long gone from Easter, and we carry that message. Let me read to you the greatest sign displayed that opposes the opposition. When you were dead in your transgressions, in your sins, in Colossians 2 it says, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And here it is. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. There is your sign of superiority, the cross of Christ. That's what we cross the street with. And so, as we come in a moment to share in the Lord's Supper, the band's going to come up, and we're going to sing a song about living in Christ alone, having this salvation in Christ alone. We're going to sing that. Hopefully it reminds us, you guys can come up, of what it is for us to know and love Jesus as we then come and partake in the bread and in this juice that Emma will lead us through. And so let's think about that as we sing this song, that we might be the people who cross the street, all of us on mission, looking to to, to reach one neighbour at a time, the open and the opposed. You might even have people in mind that you're thinking of like that. Whoever we meet along the way, praying, seeking earnestly to see that, prepared as a church for God to act, then taking those steps carrying the greatest news anyone can hear. We're about to celebrate that ourselves, and surely we want others to come and share in that meal in this room and then get sent so others might hear it too. Let's stand, let's sing, and let's remember the Lord's sacrifice for us.